0: The Articulate Coven is the original, unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's Immortal Universe from AMC and AMC Plus. Welcome to the Articulate Coven. We are your hosts,
1: Ashley Wright Eiler.
0: I'm Joel Sharpton and we are the Articulate Coven. And friends, it's here, it's real. It actually happened Thursday <laughs> morning. Four days early, they dropped the damn episode, and there you go. You and I had our Thursdays planned for us, Ashley.
1: Yes, we did. And any plans that we had previous to that episode dropping were completely out the window.
0: So, right off the top, I want to talk a little non-spoilers in case somebody happens on this episode and hasn't heard the episode yet. They're just dipping their toe into the water. What is what? What, what do I? What do my people think about it? Here's what I think about it. I think it was awesome. Is it a perfect? word for word, scene for scene, line for line adaptation? It is not. It's not, that's not what we expected. We knew there were going to be changes. We knew there were going to be updates. We've talked, even before this show took shape, we talked about how there were rooms, there were, there were spaces for improvement in an adaptation. We used previous examples of, of works that have done the, that very thing, updating for a modern understanding and a modern context. This is that. And I think it is as good as we possibly could have hoped it would have been.
1: Oh, I completely agree. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm in love already. I mean, I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm a cheap fan. So you don't have to do a lot to make me happy. But I thought, I think everything just right off the bat is just beautiful to look at. It's just gorgeous. Um, I immediately started, you know, googling hotel rooms in new orleans so that i can get down there as quickly as humanly possible the costumes look amazing the actors look amazing i think the casting is really really on point it's just fantastic i'm i'm thrilled
0: i am too i am i am so pleased i mean and it is literally like I'm getting teary-eyed thinking about it right now, but I have, I have cried not watching the show. I did get teary-eyed watching the show the first time, but I have cried thinking about this show and how important it is to me and how pleased I am with it and how in so many ways, Ashley, it feels like they did this just for me. And it's not like I'm owed anything. And it's not like I did anything to deserve it. And I didn't even really like, I mean, you and I started this show. That's what we did for the fandom as far as, like, to, to, to pay our dues. We've read the books again, you know, the first five books again. We, we have started a Facebook group. We've been a little more active on Twitter about this particular thing that we care about. But damn it, it feels wonderful to see these characters out of my head and on the screen and done so well and with such love.
1: Absolutely. I think that um, that that's something that I feel like comes through. And it's something we kind of talked about when we watched the behind the scenes um, episode they gave us. And just that it it feels like such a love letter. You know, it's um, I'm seeing these characters fleshed out more deeply than they've been before on screen. I mean, as as far as, you know, interviews, the vampire, the film goes, you're limited because you only had that, you know, two hour time period to tell the story in. But now we're really getting to see more in depth these characters come to life, um, and and the way that they've made the adjustments that they've made have kind of sped up a lot of the backstory um, and kind of put things on like a um, a little bit more of a, a high speed collision course. I feel like, which is fantastic because we don't want a lot of background. We want to get to we want to get to the meat of this story.
0: Uh, I think that's well said. And and further than that, I think we're going to have to talk spoilers. So if you haven't watched the episode, bow out now, go enjoy it. It's available on AMC Plus and uh, it's, it's on cable on AMC starting Sunday night the 2nd. So there you go, folks. Put it on your DVR. Ooh,
1: and I will say this, I will say this too about, um, because Joel and I talked about getting our, you know, doing our accounts through strictly through AMC plus, but I had messed up and done mine through Amazon, but my my episode dropped at the same time yours did.
2: Mm.
0: Really? Okay. So that is, that is so wonderful to know. And hopefully that will continue to be the case. I will say I looked because I'm still subscribed through Apple as well. And on the Apple TV app, that was true for me too. The Thursday morning, the episode showed as available. The TV app was suggesting I watch it. Uh, even before... I Now, I went ahead and watched it on the AMC app because I wanted to see what all they had to offer. I wanted to start using their app, very frankly. Um, And I still think... I I don't know that you and I talked about this in the podcast episode, it occurs to me. We talked about it on the Facebook group. Uh, I had had the understanding and and people online have told me that sometimes when you subscribe to the AMC service through one of the channels, so Amazon Prime offers it or the Roku service offers it or Apple TV offers it as an Apple TV channel. Effectively, you watch it through the TV app, you watch it through your Amazon Prime video app. Uh, when you do that, supposedly, The Walking Dead fans especially had said their episodes had not dropped as early as if you use the AMC app directly and if you subscribe through the channels you cannot use the AMC app there's no way for you to log in so um, I had posted on the Facebook group hey everybody go use the AMC app directly if you're going to do it this seems to be a problem maybe that's not the issue for those of you and I will say Uh, I know in Australia, I think subscribing through a channel service is maybe the only way to get it. That may be true for some of our international listeners and and, uh, viewers, fans, too. So watch for that. If you can not get the AMC app directly uh, through your app store and just uh, create an account, check if it's available through one of the services that um, sort of double sells those streaming services. Yeah,
1: and if you find that you're getting blocked because of, like, your location, you can always utilize a VPN. Um,
0: And I mean, it's fallen off the back of a few trucks as well. And I think those episodes will continue to do that. I don't approve of that. But here's my thing. If you're a fan and you're in a part of the world where they're not giving it to you in any legal way that you can access easily, I think you are morally okay to just then order something from the store. And when it comes to your uh, location legally, then please use it that way as well. Stream it again or, or buy it if you can on DVD or Blu-ray down the road or whatever. But, you know, these companies have got to figure it out. We talked about that on the Facebook page as well, or the Facebook group, I should say, which, by the way, if you're listening to this and don't join us on uh, Facebook, you can do that. We're at Articulate Coven. Search us there uh, as a group. We uh, have good discussions going on from time to time. But it is something that I think Disney in particular does a great job of, Uh, Paramount is beginning to do a better job. All of these companies are finally waking up to the international opportunities, but Netflix and Disney have been way out ahead as far as, hey, we're gonna sell this everywhere all at the same time. It's the only way to be fair to the fans, and it's the only way to, to reap all the financial reward without losing a bunch of it to piracy.
1: Absolutely, but by all means, if you must pirate, pirate. I'm all about a little bandit action.
0: Listen, I guarantee you, Lestat owns a t-shirt at some point in the 70s that says, I stole this t-shirt, you know, or, or you know, whatever. <laughs> steal, steal this album. So, okay, let's get into this thing. Let's talk spoilers. Uh, bow out now if you haven't heard the episode or uh, forever hold your peace. Ashley, first off, I have to say this because it is so cool. And as a, as a podcast producer myself, intros and outros are a big thing. The immortal universe has its own credit reel.
1: Yes, it
0: does. Just like the Marvel universe <laughs> or, God forbid, this 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 was a, a bad omen, but the, the dark universe at Universal when they made the new Tom Cruise mummy movie. Oh, God. They, they brought out this whole um, rolling intro just like the MCU movies. And then, of course, that's the only one in that quote unquote universe. This is not going to be the only one. If nothing else ever happens, the second season of this show will have the same intro as will The Mayfair, the Lives of the Mayfair, which is coming later this year or the first of next year. I'm getting conflicting reports on when that's going to launch, by the way. But what a cool thing. What did you think of the design of both that and the title sequence for the show itself?
1: Oh, just, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I need to watch again to really absorb it all um, because I was just like a giddy teenager, like just giggling and... I was just, I mean, I can't describe properly my excitement and it really does turn me into like a silly teenager. Like I get, I mean, I have just been beside myself over this and really fangirling super hard. Like I even feel in my enthusiasm, like my youth, you know?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And rightfully so. So the, the, Intro sequence for the Immortal Universe is just this inor- uh, innate or ornate, I should say. There we go. I'll find the word in a minute. Ornate, <laughs> sort of like mechanical looking, almost like a music box or yeah. a, uh, you know, like a, a clock. Uh, it looks very, very cool as it rolls out those words, Immortal Universe, across the screen. And then the title sequence for the show itself. First and foremost, I love it. It's an orchestra tuning up right that sort of yeah. swells into beautiful. the and and it, it, it's it's lovely at first and then it's very menacing for a moment and then it's incredibly powerful as it closes meanwhile the image is building and it's of a cityscape but also a bite mark it's it's a it's teeth as well you know beautiful, um, beautiful, beautiful. very very well done again again just excellent design and i think shows top to bottom these people love these characters. These people love this world. I think, you know, the folks behind that title sequence, you can feel it. These people get Anne Rice. They they like these characters, too. They like these stories. And everybody seems to be excited to be a part of it.
1: Well, and it's showing a top-to-bottom investment in it, too. You know, like, if you are spending the time to create these, these really well-thought-out, beautiful sequences that put us in the mind of, like, Game of Thrones, that opening sequence, was something I would never skip, you know, because there were also with that one, there were also like little clues and hints and things that changed within it, you know? And I think that it just, it's just another thing that show is showing their attention to detail and that their commitment to everything.
0: Absolutely. So what did you think of Rollin Jones language? Rollin Jones, the showrunner, a writer for this episode in particular. um, uh, I feel like he nailed it, honestly. I did too. In particular, right off, like early in the episode, uh, Mr. Anderson, uh, Louis' competition, quote unquote, at, at the the larger white lead brothel, he comes into the room and he has this wonderful line. I had to go write it down. Uh, Can't see the dirt for the dollars falling. Louis says, You're shaking the money tree, aren't you, Mr. Anderson? And he says, Can't see the dirt for the dollars falling, Louis, <laughs> as he comes into the room. And I'm like, boy, that's so great! You and I talked about just from the trailer and the little pieces that we had heard that that Jacob Anderson as Louis really seems to have nailed his accent. Yes, across this first episode, I am very pleased with the accents.
1: I agree, and that's something that can really ruin ruin it for me. I mean, as a, a as well, a we're
0: person. from here.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. So it's it is it's wild to like hear someone speaking. You know, your your dialect and and just effing it up royally it's just painful and so to hear everything it's just lyric almost it's they've got they've got that um that lilt of of that particular region so beautifully i'm very charmed by it it's not someone doing like a a thick like georgian kind of drawl it just feels more like it has that real south louisiana feel to it i love it
0: Well, and there's a lot of levels too, right? And you see the even code switching amongst characters. Louis especially, how he speaks to his brother in anger versus how he speaks to his mother at dinner versus how he speaks to his workers when he's, you know, chiding them on to get something done. And all of those are true, but they are flavors, just as you and I we speak with one accent when we're speaking to our professors or our coworkers. We speak with a different accent when we're speaking to our mamas. Right. Right.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And if I've had a couple of whiskeys in me, you know, then I sound like cornbread. It's a whole
0: different one. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So let's do the credits real quick, by the way. Uh, directed This episode directed by the great Alan Taylor. Alan Taylor um, comes from the HBO school, I might say. I mean, he did a, a million things at HBO. I think probably best known at this point for a, a handful of the best Game of Thrones episodes. Yes. But uh, he also... Uh, Ashley, I don't know if you've seen it. He directed the um, the Ghosts of uh, Newark. No, what what? That's not the name of it. The Many Saints of Newark, the the prequel movie to the Sopranos series. Alan oh. Taylor, of course, had done some Sopranos episodes as well, but he directed the movie. Also, did a great job on that. It was beautifully done. Um, I think he doesn't shine right as like a Spielberg or a you know a. Um, uh, Oh who's the the British guy who did the uh, Batman movies? Oh, Nolan. Nolan. Yes, I don't know why his name escaped me. All I can think about is list. Now. Anyway, <laughs> he's not a showy name. Alan Taylor's not. No. But he can tell a story. He also knows really well how to work within a showrunner's vision, I think, which is the like you come in as a writer who's going to be with the series episode in and episode out like Rollin Jones is going to be Alan Taylor Taylor may come and go he may direct a bunch of these episodes he may only direct this one I'm not sure but um he works well under that sort of showrunner paradigm I
1: think when I feel like um AMC has kind of a, a good history of supporting showrunners you know like mm, this is the same company of course that gave us Breaking Bad you know and now we have Better Call Saul and we have a whole universe that's, you know, that Vince Gilligan world, and they were always so good about supporting them and, and giving them what they needed to make, to make it happen.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Roland Jones, by the way, we didn't really talk about this before, but he's known for Weeds. He was a producer and writer there. He was with Friday Night Lights back in the day. He was on Boardwalk Empire. He was on Perry Mason, the, the Perry Mason remake on uh, HBO, which I think is supposed to come back at some point for for another season or two i i wonder if they're going to build that to the place where perry's an actual lawyer like the tv show i don't know i i still haven't watched all of it i watched the first episode i loved it i was like i gotta chew over this sometime and i just haven't got around to it my wife and i were lamenting just yesterday there's just too much damn good tv oh i
1: know there's so much good stuff to watch right now it's my my two watch list has gotten ridiculous
0: so um so there, there's the two that I wanted to mention, and we'll try to always mention for you the director and writer, but Rollin Jones and Alan Taylor, the pair behind this episode. Um, and uh, I, I think they knocked it out of the park. A great start I, to the I series. To. It'll be interesting to see how long this thing is on cable. Ashley, it's an hour and 12 minutes. Well, I say that it's not actually. It's an hour and 12 minutes with the little follow-up insider episode or episode insider that uh, that Rollin has at the uh, the end of the thing. But it is over an hour, the episode itself. Um, i'm wondering how much of it will be cut for cable
1: ooh i didn't even think about that. It does sort of does
0: well, I mean
1: being released early on the on the app and everything it feels like an a m c plus series almost you know what I mean like more than an a m c series
0: well, so I saw in a uh a clip about the lives of the mayfair witches uh episode just i don't know yesterday, day before. I think it may be an AMC Plus only thing, not actually dropping on cable. We'll, oh. we'll have to see. But be interesting. Um, so I do think there is. They want their cake and they want to eat it too, right? They oh, obviously 100%. want to continue to feed the cable beast and collect those ad dollars, but also AMC knows the long game is they got to get all these people with a direct consumer relationship. So, um, and they make great they make great content. Like I, you go look at the app. There are tons of things on there that's really compelling and that you've heard about probably but that you haven't gotten around in my case at least haven't gotten around to watching the one thing that i was surprised about just talking about amc in general because of the existing contracts you don't have breaking bad available on the amc app and you don't have better call Saul available on the the amc app they've got a right now i think those will eventually come back home right but there's no telling how long those (laughs) Contracts are well, yeah, absolutely. It's it's. I think it's just a matter of like how long did you uh, make that original contract for? But then also, it may be something like what Paramount has done with the Star Trek stuff as far as overseas. They're sort of selling it off in a lot of places overseas because that's that's great funding to then go and pay for the show. I mean, that's how they launched Discovery. They got Netflix to pay for the international rights, which absolutely paid their budget for the first season of star trek discovery paramount didn't put out a dime for it netflix did and then paramount got to launch a streaming service domestically with it and then you know go on to uh, where they are now so it worked out all right for everybody i think amc is working on similar plans and with this series they've got it from the very start right so netflix won't have any part of this and uh, not just this series but the whole world same thing's true for the walking dead netflix has Right. Like the first 10 seasons. And then AMC plus has the quote unquote, the final seasons or whatever, you know. So you can see why AMC is so interested in this content. Let's talk about why we're so interested in it and so happy with it. uh, What we got so far. Where do you want to start, Ashley?
1: Well, I kind of just wanted to start about the world building. um, Please, you know, like with a with a, I think we know, we've seen um, a lot of pilots for shows come and go, and I mean this is a little different because they knew they had the whole season. They knew that they were, you know, doing a full season to start with. Um, but for a pilot episode, treating this like a pilot, it's amazing. They did such a good job of of <clears throat> number one, creating the correct like vibe, the correct feel of the place, setting up New Orleans, setting up New Orleans's place, setting up different sections of the city, and and understanding the vibe of different areas of town. Like immediately that's there. I could recognize, you know, I was like, oh, someone just got killed in Pirate's Alley. Awesome. You know, like places that I know <laughs> in the city. And I'm like, you know, I can't wait to go have a drink right there again immediately, you know? And so I just loved that, the, like the world building, I think is really, really on point. Everything looks the way it's described in those books. You know what I mean? Like it feels like, like the wallpaper looks right you know, down to that kind of detail.
0: I I agree with you uh, uh, a lot. Here's one thing that I have heard that... So first of all, we talked about the casting uh, in our behind-the-scenes episode, and, and previously we talked about the casting of Jacob Anderson as Louis, and of course there was a lot of backlash originally because hey, he's a black guy, not a white guy. He's not going to be a plantation owner anymore. He's going to be, you're going to move him into the 1900s. He's going to be a brothel owner or what? And it's so funny, by the way, I remember hearing those rumors, talking about them even with you. And then the gulf of between hearing that the first time and the show starting rolling out with the images was so big, I had forgotten about it entirely and didn't have any kind of preconceived notions on it almost at all. I will say the one bit of criticism that I've heard about the character of Louis and the changes that they've made that has struck home to me after I've heard it. It didn't occur to me as I watched the episode. I watched it twice. Didn't occur to me either time. But I've heard that Louis in the books loves, loves, loves that classical feel, the feel of his youth and mortal life, right? The, his, uh, his, well, the house that he lives in in New Orleans doesn't even—it doesn't even have electricity. He uh, likes the old furnishings. He likes the old, um, you know, lighting elements. He likes the old clothes. Even he wears a very old-fashioned style of clothes. Whereas the Louis that we see here in the modern day, anyway, is in Dubai in this like ultra modernistic. Yeah, you know, minimalistic, et cetera, et cetera. Even his clothes are very modern and sleek. Yeah, that's Also, very- he makes a comment about how he's sort of bored by life and where Louis in the books is, well, not that, basically at all. He's fascinated by a butterfly, you know, um, right. and and torn by the very concept that his life exists at the cost of others. So I hear that and I go, Ooh, that is interesting that they made changes. I also see, though, the acceleration of the timeline or the extension of the timeline, I should say. The characters that we're seeing in the modern day are much further along in the books than we're thinking, right? right. Like this Louis, this Louis may already be consort to Prince Lestat. And sorry, slight spoiler for a very late book. But I mean, like the Prince Lestat book, the first one at least, may have already happened. We don't know. We don't know Why exactly how really far go, yeah, ahead they are. are. We know their first, we know Mimnoch has already happened. R- Rollin Jones has said that. Like the first five books have happened and now this interview is happening. So with that in mind, I think that there is room for an evolution of Louis. And I think that I'm, I'm holding back to see that sort of thing. But other than that... I am a million percent with you I would I once I heard that and I was like, Oh, you're right. Yeah, that room is weird for Louis. But we don't know that that's Louie's room.
1: Right? Or
0: we don't what, know that that's Louie's place.
1: Louis, what version of Louis we're, we're even talking. To yes.
0: Louis what is Louie's current circumstance? What is Louis's current circumstance that has driven him to start this interview again with uh, Daniel? You know, we don't know that exactly.
1: Something that I really loved was seeing getting to see why Lestat fell for Louis, mm. you know what I mean? I feel like um especially in the um in the film um version of this, Louis is such a sad sack, you know, and we've talked about him being the eor of the vampires, you know what I mean, but it was kind of to me really interesting and sort of exciting to see um Louis having a little bit more fun being, you know, seeing a more kind of fleshed out version of that character. That's not just, you know, kind of this one-sided, like, oh, woe is everything.
0: You know, if you only read the book, if you only read the first book, especially, Lestat has a very clear motive for, for trapping Louis. He needs a house. He needs wealth, right? He doesn't understand how to get along in the new world. He's got this dying father that is, you know, taking up all of his money and time because he's got to keep somebody taking care of this old man during the day while he's asleep. So Louis is an escape for him and uh, a lifeline, uh, a giant piggy bank.
1: Right. But that's now we only know that that from Louis's perspective.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, and nice. we know after the fact, Lestat has untold riches. That's not what happened at all. Exactly, exactly. And so this right. and even if you watch just the movie, if you watch just the movie, I think Lestat is such a predator in the movie and Louis is so broken and so fragile and and as he says, longing for death. Right. So Lestat, the predator comes in and takes him. You know, he's easy prey. Here they court for like a month yeah in between their meeting and and paul's and well in the wedding let's say the wedding yeah so that time period though is is pretty it's a long i don't know exactly how long it is but it's many dates louis refers to it as it was a cold winter and lou and lestat was my coal fire right so like maybe that was three two three months maybe even i don't know It was several it was a long time and lestat courted him he fell in love with him completely we don't know exactly what lestat's motivation is that we know he's intrigued by louis right from the moment that he sees him absolutely particularly that that moment louis pulls the the cane knife on his brother i mean he calls it out later in french which was <laughs> so damn wonderful anyway But we don't know where Lestat is right now. We haven't heard him tell it yet. We don't know what circumstances brought him to the New World at this moment. We do know he's older than he was in the book story because this is further along in his journey. How long did he spend with Marius in this universe? You know? Yeah. uh, How did his relationship with Armand resolve exactly in this universe? We don't know. What we do know is, according to him, he was headed to St. Louis— (laughs) <laughs> but he found him in New Orleans instead. Uh, what a what a beautiful set of lines there too. Um, so I- anyway, I, I think that this is a. It is different. It is different than either the book or the movie. But I think it is going to be better for it. This it is a feels relationship.
1: Insane, to me, though, you know what I mean.
0: Well, like, it it, feels, it right. feels similar because we know the a more full version of this right. relationship. No, right. Like, we no, don't.
1: If it's, if I'm someone you and I don't think
0: that about that movie, first book.
1: Yeah, and if I'm someone that's only watched that movie, and I'm like, I love Interview with the Vampire. Like, I love it. It's my favorite movie. You know, and maybe you didn't dabble into the books. You just love that movie. Then this this could be really jarring and confusing because this is showing a much a much more in depth, a much more like, and we we literally Joel and I know things that you don't know yet, and so <laughs> we're not going to be as aggravated about some of the changes as someone who is literally just in love with that movie you know what I mean
0: I think as as toxic as these two can be to one another from time to time and will be over the course of this season let alone the series overall I do think that this starts their relationship more closely to how it is resolved in the books at least as as it currently exists you know the even even after the first five books, Louis and Lestat have come to a peace with one another and coexist. They they move in each other's circles. They are not always companions every single day with each other. They have a lot of other companions among the coven of the Articulate, but Louis and Lestat are together and remain together. So I like the fact that the series is showing us more of each other of of each of these you know men but also the relationship itself and the foundations of it here at the beginning it will make it make more sense in a world where Lestat doesn't quote unquote need Louis like he did in the book supposedly and where Louis is not as helpless as he was in the film so that it will it will make this make both more sense and also be more heartbreaking as the season rolls along and their rises and falls come. All of those things will be more interesting and more compelling television, but also still, as you said, feel true to the character.
1: Right. And the stakes are, the stakes are so much higher when the relationships have been built and the, and, 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 you know, when the, taking the time and building the relationship and making it more genuine to what we know the relationship to be. It's just, it, it amps the stakes up immediately because it's not just like a, an antagonistic kind of back and forth that you just sort of get the vibe of sometimes in the book. Um, it's more, it's more of a genuine representation of what their relationship is, um, out, outside of just being told from, from the Louis perspective. And, and that makes it all the more Makes the relationship more important. It makes the the conflicts more important. It makes the distance that they have to spend apart more important. It makes Claudia more important, one hundred and ten percent.
0: Oh, oh, oh! You are so right. Claudia in this series is not going to be a mistake or an afterthought. I think this it's it's so clearly building toward that already. Already in the first episode. Um, I've here's what I love the most though. We've been talking about this vampire show for 30 minutes almost, and we haven't mentioned fangs or blood or killing almost at all. It's <laughs> no. like we're talking about a rom-com, but that it is—it is absolutely, it is absolutely a romantic story first, yeah, and I am so excited to see it. All right, let's talk a little bit though about let's let's kind of run through some of the characters. Let's start where the episode starts. Daniel, this take on Daniel is so cool. I we love knew that. it was going to be good. You talked about excited to see Eric Bogosian, the more seasoned interviewer, et cetera, et cetera. St- starting with the masterclass commercial it was so good it was s- such a clever way to do it we get a bunch <laughs> of his right. credentials we get a glimpse of like who he is in the world but in a funny way and then also at the end of it he changes the channel on himself like bah, i'm i'm full of this bs you know kind of yeah. thing great great moment there one question for you and honestly this is not my um this is not my bone to pick but i have heard from different people that they feel like Daniel's been straightwashed. In the book, slight spoiler, folks. We we understand that he has. First of all, he does meet Louis in a gay bar. I had forgotten that from the novel, but it's true in the novel. Also, uh, he has a relationship with Armand. He he goes yes. to New Orleans at the end of this book to try to find Lestat. Lestat is still in the ground at this point, and Armand eventually finds Daniel instead, and they have uh, twelve. 15 years, something like that relationship. And eventually, Daniel is is turned himself. That's the novel, Daniel. I didn't spoil a lot of stuff for you. It's a great part of Queen of the Damned. It you should go and read it. Really, yeah, but this is clearly not going to be that exact. Well, he's definitely not a vampire yet anyway.
1: He's not. So well, here's my question is, has he had that experience with Armand yet? Has that even that's my, happened in this world, all the you know?
0: everything that i see being mad about him as a straight wash meaning in the in the in the book he is a or in the novels he is a a, a queer character a homosexual character and in the show theoretically at least he's a straight man he tosses off uh, Louis' reference to him being you know them, them meeting in a gay bar oh, i was there to score drugs i did what i had to do and he's been married twice we assume to women we're pretty sure he has children i don't think he calls it out specifically but he, we do see toys in the old box that he pulls out the, the you know the the boombox from. Um, I I don't see it as straight washing. First and foremost, the moment where he tosses off Louis and says, "No, that's not what it was. I was just there to score drugs." It's very similar to me as when Louis uh, lies to his family about going to the opera, and Lestat calls him out on it. It's, it's one of those toxic masculinity. No, it's not. I'm a man's man.
2: Right. There's right. a few
0: of those moments in this episode. And I think, I think, they're, I think we're supposed to draw a line a, 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 to all of that. I think, I think Daniel doth protest too much a little bit on that. I think we're going to find out more about him and his sexuality as we go. My biggest question is, do he and Armand... Is Louis the only vampire he's ever met? Right. I don't believe it is.
1: Well, I mean, that relationship with Armand is a real... Real mind fuck for for Daniel too. It's not like like Armand was fucking with him hardcore a lot.
0: Well, I mean, and and having a guy that looks twenty years old show up again and again randomly, that'd ruin a couple of marriages for you, probably too, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. Um, I didn't to be honest, I didn't clock that at all. Um, but it's something that I will watch I will watch for going forward because I mean, like you said, that's not I mean, it's not it's not necessarily our bone to pick you know but if if the community has noticed uh you know kind of that sort of whitewashing we definitely i definitely want to keep an eye out for that I the thing that makes me feel like it's probably going to be explained and maybe you know explored a little bit more in depth is simply because they don't seem to be a shying away from any of the like homosexual vibes or blatant audition, sexual relationships in the book so that makes me feel like well there's probably a plan there um or maybe the showrunners missed it and didn't clock that as being something that was going to be important to viewers and and maybe it's just a piece of the storyline that got dropped which is a real bummer if that's something that people connected to you know what i mean
0: I think unless there are some big surprises before the end of this season, I think all of that stuff is open for them to hear how the audience responds. And even if they didn't originally plan to give Daniel that backstory, I think they still could. I mean, I think there's a lot of room in this universe to draw stories in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, all over the place there. That would be really interesting, and you could you could drop different things in at different times across whatever show you wanted to. You know, you could Absolutely. have a whole season with Young Daniel and Armand, like without changing uh, what we know about the interviewer here. You know, Absolutely. only adding two. Anyway, let's move on from Daniel to our leading man himself,
1: oh Jacob God. Anderson, and louie He's so he's so lovely. I just to me right now so far he's embodied that character so beautifully for me um because i like thinking about louis with more depth than than our eeyore vampire you know what i mean i like the parts of louis that are strong the parts of louis that are protective the parts of louis that are um insolent you know i don't i like the character having more depth to me that kind of like flat, flat version of, of Louis is so boring. And that's why, like, that's boring.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. It is. And I mean, even Anne was bored with it, honestly. And there are, there are aspects. Yes. There are aspects of Louis as played in the later novels that sort of, uh, that you can see Anne trying to figure out, well, where, what do I do with this character that's like, a version of me I've discarded or moved past, right, that I've you know? Grown. And I left him there, but I didn't stay there. I I flowered and blossomed into Lestat, actually. So how, what do we do with that, you know? Well, it's really it, unfair it, it, it to is,
1: leave him there. It's unfair. Yes. As a, I feel like it's unfair as a writer to have left him there, um, to not have allowed him to grow and develop and change the way that she did, which she does. I mean, obviously that's the way the character goes. I mean, even even within you know Mimnock, which we just read, um, Louis is very like concerned for Lestat, and like and like is one of the people leading the action of the storyline there. I mean, we we see him change, we see him grow, but I think in in like popular culture representations of this character have always been this like woe is me.
0: He's just sad, Brad Pitt. Yeah, because yeah. he can't eat a donut or a, or a hoagie.
1: Bless him.
0: <laughs> um, I loved, okay, so we have talked about Jacob's uh, accent already, but yeah, the line yeah. that I thought was probably the best from him, he's sitting in the car, he's pulled, he's pulled up to the brothel for the first time to go see Lily, and he's narrating himself. He says, my business and my raised religion were at odds, and the uh, latencies within me. Well, I beat those back with a lie I told myself. Oh, that he's so he's so wonderful there, but him telling the story is so good too, and the fact that Rollin is then able to weave in a lot of Anne's own language, yeah, is so delicious for book fans. And I've I've heard a few people call it out. Oh, you can really tell the difference between when Rollin's writing and when Anne was. I listen, Anne's very flowery. Rollin writes with a more modern tongue. It's absolutely true. But I think they suit each other very well. And I'm I'm very pleased with this sort of balance as we go back and forth.
1: Yeah, it feels the language feels right on. Especially if you've read other other of other books of Anne's. If you've read, you know, the Mayfair Witch books at all, um, or or any of the <laughs> the beauty books, you know, like it's this still feels very much like Anne to me.
0: I agree. I agree 100%. Um, all right, let's talk about Sam. Mm-hmm. Sam Reed as Lestat. First of all, his introduction is so excellent. Uh, we see him from behind, which I think is a direct reference to the 94 movie. I believe that there's that same mm-hmm. shot of, of Tom Cruise's Lestat from behind in the flowing cloak. Yes, you know. The hat. Um, mm-hmm yes exactly yeah mm,
2: mm, there are a
0: couple of those by the way in this episode that I think are direct references to the 94 film which I think is cool obviously this fandom I mean the 94 film is well regarded lots of people like that lots of people like the Queen of the Damned movie as well but yeah. way more people like the 94 interview with the vampire movie from Neil Jordan um but that one in particular I thought was great but then the introduction at the brothel itself, the conversation where he comes in and out of French, his excitement that he makes sure to serve the musicians because they're always forgotten. We're
2: always forgotten I thought yeah. that was a
0: really cool. Beautiful.
2: I
1: thought productive. that was a really
0: cool moment. Here's something that I uh, read in a thread I think yesterday on Twitter. So Lestat in the books is about uh, twenty years old when he's turned. And in Anne Rice's novels, the age you are when you are turned to a vampire is sort of very integral to your personality moving throughout the centuries. The vampires are largely unchanged. They get wiser and more powerful, perhaps, but their personalities stay very similar. If you're a childish, reckless, rebellious vampire, you're probably going to be that even when you're 2,000 years old.
1: Absolutely. Let's stop.
0: (laughs) So, so Lestat, for instance, was sort of made as a child still. He's, he's still just a boy. He's not, his brain's not fully formed. So So he's maybe never, (laughs) right. So he's maybe never going to make the right decisions. Well, in this TV series, we don't know yet what age he's supposed to be when he was turned, but I think it's pretty clear that he's going to be at least about the same age as Louis. Louis calls himself out. He was 33 years old when he became a vampire. So, uh, I think we're probably going to get Lestat at 30 to 35. I think they're probably going to call him 30 to make it a little bit younger. But the point is he should, he should be a man. The thread that I was reading made the suggestion, what if they're going to sort of give us that same rebellious, reckless attitude through a personality trait, a, a, a neurodivergence? Maybe oh. Lestat's on the spectrum.
2: And they specifically
0: called out uh, the opening comment that he makes to Louis. Is it hurtful on purpose or is it obtuse of Lestat? Is he just clueless when he said, Louis asks him, this is a mighty fine table. How did you manage to get it? And Lestat doesn't answer, says, how did you manage to get in the front door? Referencing his race. Right. Later, Lestat charges him at the funeral procession and he says your brother longed for the pavestone. Lestat does not mean that to be harmful. He's coming to aid Louis, to make him feel better. He just doesn't understand how worthless that is as a salve on his grief. Absolutely. I don't, I mean, I don't know where the writers are coming from this. I haven't read it in any interviews yet, but I read that thread and I thought, boy, it sure feels like Sam's playing it that way a little bit. And I love it, honestly. I think it suits the character of Lissat and this change perhaps to his age still maintains the character as we know it. And it gives it uh, more reasoning and more grounding and more humanity instead of just callousness.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a really cool point. And again, like I said, something, now that it's been pointed out, something I'll totally watch for. To me, it's just that edge of him, that, That edge of that character that's always been there where he's like, it's that awareness of how he's, everything is forever. So like, what, Mm. what is this? What is your brother dying when, when, you know, we're about, you're going to live forever by that time we're done with this, you know? So of course. Yeah. I mean, he met the payment. That's a bummer, but he wanted it. So call it a good day and get on with it, you know?
0: Well, and there is absolutely.
1: But I like the idea of that being softer. That, that well, and adds. not
0: not even softer necessarily, but uh, there's a reason, an right? And it doesn't yeah, make yeah. it knowing that, knowing that, even with the modern context of you know neuropsychology, et cetera, et cetera, that doesn't make it any easier to live with, right? No. You still it's still a problem in an interpersonal relationship. You just have to, you know, it's it's something that explains it instead of it just being about cruelness or or callousness. And I don't, Lestat has pictured in the books particularly the later ones where he's writing them I don't think he is callous or cruel I I think he can be obtuse sometimes and he doesn't understand you know he's like a he's like a giant he doesn't know his own strength you know a lot of times he doesn't know
1: Right I think it's more yeah it's more of a matter of his perspective like his perspective is mm. that is this you know endlessness so some things seem small to him that aren't small to a mere mortal. You know what I mean?
0: Well, and even more so in this series, right, where he's already 150 years old, and he's already—I uh, mean, he had he had met Marius at this point, and Akasha and Inkle already in the in the books as well. But we didn't know that. We don't. We're not colored with that part of the story. We're seeing it, I think, a bit already in his eyes here. The joke on Twitter is that Lestat has changed his name to Sam Reed. And uh, we, we're all just pretending that we haven't noticed. <laughs> I not, got to tell you, he is so perfect in this. We'd already talked is. about he had won me over with the interviews and things, but he is so, so perfect in this role.
1: He is perfect. so perfect in this role. He is 100% perfect. I, I don't know that I've ever, it's been a minute since I've seen casting that dropped my jaw. You know, and I didn't really care about it. I haven't really seen him in anything. He's really not on my radar at all. And so.
0: I hadn't seen him in anything either.
1: When he opened his mouth and started acting, I was like, holy shit. That's just Lestat. You know, that's our guy. Yeah. That's our guy. Yeah. You know, and that's. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm so like, I'm so excited for the rest of the series. You guys, it's. Oh, he's so perfect. That casting was point on and he's not going to. Because they cast, you know, people that are what, these guys are in their, wet 30s probably?
0: I, they've got to both be in their early 30s,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and so we're not going to have the awkwardness of watching these guys get older. They're not, it's a problem you run into if you cast a 20-year-old, you know? By the time, if this runs, you know, 10 years, you know, you go from 20 to 30, that's a lot of physical change in a person. But I don't feel like you change as much in your, you know, 30s to 40s, and that, you know, so we can watch a comfortable time passage of time with these actors and it not ever be awkward or ever us have to suspend our disbelief to such a weird degree that they're still the same age they were when we started.
0: Strongly, strongly agree, strongly agree. Let's talk briefly here about vampire powers. I know this is something that a lot of people are going to have issues or questions about. First and foremost, uh and I always forget this. Lestat doesn't actually have the power to fly nope. until Queen of the Damned nope. in the novel. He does not. He, he does not. He floats briefly with Marius after drinking from Akasha the first time in The Vampire Lestat. So that would have been previous to the the events of Interview with the Vampire, but he doesn't really control it and he doesn't call it flight. No,
1: it's more like he
0: actually gets the flight. Right, exactly. Or or really, like, maybe even Marius is using telekinesis maybe to, to help him guide down at that point. It's sort of unclear. He's in that, like, drunken stupor after drinking from Akasha the first time, too. But he gets the flight gift once he, you know, sort of becomes her companion in uh, Queen of the Damned. I don't have a problem with it in this episode there's one scene where they levitate obviously during the the sex scene you've seen it already in the trailers or or the uh, clips on twitter i guarantee you've seen this (laughs) my favorite meme is what kind of interview is this and it's the two of them like wrapped around each other floating uh it's the good kind of interview baby (laughs) um so so the, that levitation in the sex scene, first of all, I think is a direct reference, again, to the '94 movie. The very first time Lestat bites Louis, they fly up into the air. Absolutely. And I think that's just about. In the movie, we we talked about it when we reviewed the movie. I don't really think Lestat has the power of flight there. I think that is, an uh, a sort of visual representation of the of a moment
1: of ecstasy.
0: Yeah, this yeah. moment of undescribable ecstasy. Yeah, I think absolutely. that's what that is. And I think the levitation here is almost that as well. However, I don't think there's anything wrong in, as described in the story, of even saying yes, they actually levitated. L- L- Louis describes it as um, Lestat took the little drink, which is very difficult for a, for a vampire to do. You know, it's, it takes an, a massive amount of willpower. But Lestat is literally putting on a psychic show for Louis to woo him as directly and aggressively as he knows how to do. And at this point, we've already said, Lestat's a 150-year-old vampire. He's been around the block a few times, friend. He's already fought Armand at this point and, and broken up the coven. He's met the creator of all vampires, you know, and wooed her. This is a dude who's been some places. So I don't have a problem with, in a moment of, you know, a swell of power, Maybe you do come off the ground a little bit. And that's again, that's more about telekinesis than it is anything else, right? You're just sort of floating because it's a, a because you're you know, floating. it's like you're flexing. Yeah, right. you're flexing.
1: To me, it's such a small thing. It to me it's such a small thing to care that much about. It's just, it's just a small thing to like fixate on and get so annoyed by. Like I just can't I can't put that energy into it. Like I just <laughs> I absolutely cannot put that energy into like he's not supposed to fly yet. Well, he's not really flying let's just watch the vampire show you guys he's a fucking vampire <laughs>
0: how can you look at how can you look at sam reed's ass and go why is he flying though why is he flying? i mean just be glad you're getting sam reed's ass right there, he's flying so that we can see all of his ass and legs that's why nice he's flying
1: Jesus. <laughs> i think what something that fans have had a little bit more of a beef with that i get a little bit more but also i feel like part of it's a spectacle that lestat's putting on for louis is the blood um when he kills the priest
0: yes there's like a massive amount of blood blowing. Oh, yeah
1: and, and and it is true like our vampires are pretty tidy for the most part but there have been times that they get bloodlusty you guys uh we just talked about the part in memnock <laughs> so like there are times our vampires get bloodlusty and get a little pushy
0: well and also i think the the, the the ideas displayed in the novels where they never spill a drop, that sort of lays it out like that a few times I think that is something that just cannot work properly in a visual medium it's, right. that works fine in your mind but in a, in a visual medium if we heard him going blood, yeah like, and there's never well. any blood on screen like it's gonna be it's a very strange it's a very that's a that's a strange thing yeah
1: you have to see it's a Freaking vampire show! You got to see blood, you guys. But I also think I think you
0: you're right, see- though. Lestat was putting on a show.
1: Oh, such a spectacle! There, like rips the guy out of the <laughs> out of the confessional. Lord, I loved it. That was wild.
0: <laughs> so, what about the the other thing that I've heard people have an issue with as far as vampire powers is the the seemingly like time freeze at the poker table uh, early in their courting before uh, Louis uh, before Lestat's really won him over right. at all. They're at the poker table, and he seems to freeze time for everyone else while he and Louis continue to converse. I don't think that's what happened at all, though, effectively. I think Lestat stole the card and gave it to Louis because he moves incredibly fast right, right, and can do that without anyone noticing. And then the second thing that happened was... He spellbound every, I do think he spellbound everyone at the table because uh, Anderson in particular, like holds the bridge of his nose and shakes his head as he's coming out of it. I think they were all sort of under a spell, but I think that's all basically mind gift. He's speaking to Louis telepathically and entrancing him in that moment to make it feel as if the poker chips are still in midair and everybody is not breathing and their eyes are glazed over, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, I, I think that's a combination of showiness just with visual representation of the spell gift.
1: I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think that there's so much of what se- what's going to seem like, Oh, vampire magic is actually like stuff. We already know that he can do. We're just seeing the a physical representation of it that our minds can wrap around, you know, like, I think that that's definitely more the direction it's going plus i love the idea of him talking to louis uh you know with the mind gift now because he's not going to be able to later and to lose that connection to show that having that connection and then to lose that connection i think makes that a more powerful thing
0: i won i so hope first of all i hope they maintain that please 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 makers and their and their makees cannot speak to each other telepathically that that is is something i think that does matter yeah
1: to each other when you need each other sometimes like that's
0: yes exactly you've got to use the broader network
1: yeah it creates fear and tension amongst them when they're trying to get to each other like that's i think that's really important because that that's something that's true across across all of these books when we talk about pandora and her relationship with marius good god you know those two trying to get back to each other sometimes is just gut-wrenching
0: yes Yes. All right. So we're agreed on that. I hope they're going to deal with that in the second episode, um, that we will see tonight as we record this. Oh God, this is such an amazing thing. I know. All right. Um, let's, let's move on a little bit here. I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about Paul for a second. Okay. I did not expect to be so moved by Paul's story here. I, we had talked about, we were going to see Paul clearly the religious aspect and sort of fervor was going to be part of the story that was clear from the trailers. I was so moved, both by Paul's general character arc and then specifically the resolution of it, the way that that's now going to play into the character of Louis right, and mark him so completely in his immortal journey. Paul was so well done. I, I'm going to pull up the actor's name here because I don't know it off the yeah, top of my head, but he was, he was just Fantastic.
1: fantastic. Um, and again, it's that, you know, putting it into a context that we can understand, putting it into a more, a more modern context, as far as like, you know, a religious kind of hysteria sort of thing. That's not something we necessarily connect to when we're talking about somebody in the 1800s being that way. You know, it just, to me, it's so much more, again, like I said, it's amping us, amping up the. Uh, the importance of everything by by mi- urgency it's creating more urgency
0: so here's what occurred to me I didn't think of this on the first watch the second watch though I did think I was like oh what do we gain by um, what do we gain by changing Louis, and therefore Paul and the point-de-lac family to uh, black characters And by moving this series up to the 1910s, the number one thing that we saw already in this episode that we gained was the dance scene with Paul and Louis at the wedding. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. First and foremost... The two of them, if this was set in the end of the 1700s, the two of them would not have danced at their uh, daughter's wedding or their sister's wedding like that. And secondly, if they weren't black, they wouldn't have danced. They wouldn't have done like a jazz tap thing. They wouldn't have been, you know, corner uh, dancing boys as kids. So that's what we gained right here in this episode. And that was such a beautiful scene. The shorthand that was accomplished in that scene to establish what these guys have done for each other, what they've been through with each other how they feel about one another, the love, the admiration that they have, the trust that they have with one another. And we got the scene that was a great scene of them walking together to the church in the morning earlier in the episode. That's a really lovely scene too. But that dance scene to me is an example of what you gain by changing the character of, of Louis ever so slightly. It's really not that big a shift, it's honestly. Not. When you think about it, he still owned the plantation. The family still owned, he still the, owned plantation. the
1: plantation. That's the thing. Is this is an
0: ex- Louis extension. still subjugates human bodies? Yeah, Louis still subjugates human bodies for a living. Right, yeah. like that is he makes his money off the back of other humans uh, selling themselves. That's what he does in this series. So, and he knows it, and he suffers for it morally. That that happens there at the end when he's in the the confession. That's. He's not just sad about Lestat. He realizes I, I, I smile and I tell myself I'm giving them a roof and a meal and dollars in their pocket, but I know who I am. I'm the big man in the big house who stuffs cotton in my ears so I can't hear their cries. Absolutely. Woo! Woo, goodness. Anyway, I was so – I loved Paul. I loved Paul. And you're going to be able to, to show me just a second – of Paul on a balcony or, or that dance sequence, or the two of them touching each other on the shoulder as they walk down the street together. And I'm going to cry for years to come now. I think, and I think that's going to be a point of reference for Louie as well.
1: Yeah, He He failed his brother. And it made me care about that way more than I did. Like in, in the book, like I just didn't connect to that. I didn't really care. I was just like, man, You know, like, let's get on with the story. Whereas with this, I'm like, oh, damn, you know, we really get to see how this, how this is, you know, rip is going to rip our guy to shreds, you know,
2: Mm,
0: I speaking. Okay. So Paul is referenced here. So I'm going to include this here. Lestat makes a reference in the church at the end. He tells Louis that he's not the devil, that he only brings death to those deserving now, this is after he'd already killed the one priest, and right before, he goes and smashes the other one's head in. <laughs> however, however, it occurred to me, I made a joke on Twitter. Somebody was like, what, what did that other priest do? Poor priest, he slipped on some, he, his shoe squeaked, and now he got his face smashed in. <laughs> I said, you watch episode two, Lestat is going to tell Louis that he already had that priest marked for death because he was a pedophile or some such. It occurred to me on my second rewatch, uh, when Paul goes in to confess, that priest, the priest that gets punched in the face, uh, that priest goes in to take confession, and Paul won't have it. says, no, I won't Father Matthias. Ew. Thank you. And then sends the priest out. And in the books, it's very clear that Paul is touched in some way. Paul yes, uh, yes. knows the danger that's coming with Lestat to his family uh, and you know feels this sense of foreboding for Louis and is trying to tell him, we got to sell everything and get out. We got to give it all to the church and get out, brother. And Louis won't have it. Well, here we don't really get a sense that that Paul might be in tune, so to speak, with the universe. Just that he's mentally ill is what we really get. However, Lestat does speak to him. You know, he says Lestat told me I'm, he was here to steal souls. Um, Anyway, it's interesting to think perhaps we might get a hint of that as we go. Probably those priests will never be mentioned again. They'll just burn the whole church down, and that'll be the end of it. But I might be overthinking it. It was an interesting moment there. Hey, here's something else that I didn't notice until the second watch. Did you notice Ray Don Chong as Louie's mother?
1: Yes. Yes. She's They're so
0: good, strong. too.
1: She's amazing. I loved her in the 80s. She was in this, oh, was it the... um. Oh, what was it? It was like a horror compilation. Tales, was it Tales from the Dark Side? That she was like, oh, a gargoyle? That was so crazy. I love her. I oh, her.
0: really? I don't remember that one.
1: Oh, my God. It's this. So, well, never mind. This, this is the wrong podcast for this. But <laughs> as I'm like about to start a podcast about that one part of that horror anthology show, she's so good. I just, I've just i always loved her. I've loved her. And someone I haven't seen in forever
0: right. She has I, she hasn't had a, a ton of uh, high profile stuff. but however, she's on a bit of a renaissance. She's got a, a new movie that like just came out. and then she was doing press for that and leaning forward to oh, and by the way, I'm playing Louis's mother in. And- in the series, I think we're going to see some more of her as the series goes on. I, I think Grace, especially, is going to be a character that comes up over the next several uh, episodes. And I, I think it's likely that we'll see uh, Mama uh, Delac as well. But she was so wonderful in the scene after Paul's death. Yes. Um, in the amazing. house, especially, was the one to me where she really shone, shone. And then shying him away at the grave, too. Mama, can I walk you home? No, thank you. Levy, yeah. do you mind? Oh my God. Oh my God. Dagger mm. to my heart. And you know now, I mean, it makes so much sense why um one of our group on Facebook made reference to the fact that Louis sort of like the tragedy to his transformation's really short here. Whereas in the book that takes a while, he sort of lives lives in anguish and sadness for a while and despair. In the movie too, he's been gambling and wasting his life away for a while, trying to find death. Compacted timeline makes a lot of sense to me, though, here, because you see the depth of of despair that he's in. He loses his brother. He feels like he did it in some way. Yeah. His mother tells him so. Then the the one bit of solace he has left is Lily, who is dead. Yep. Yeah. He's left all alone. Lestat is all he has. And he still doesn't take him. He runs away from Lestat to the church first, but you understand why he is so vulnerable and and willing to make the leap with Lestat at the end of this episode, I think the way that they line it up and Radon Chong's a huge part of
2: that.
1: Yeah. I think am- amping up the intensity of all of those when, when emotions are so after a loss are so raw anyway, and everybody grieves differently and you don't always have the conversations that you should have when your heart is hurting like that. And, um, and how dangerous that can be, you know, and, um, it really does set it up so beautifully and kind of stream streamlines the t- streamlining the timeline just makes it, like I said, more important, more urgent, more in the moment,
0: man, the one other thing uh, that. Having Paul be such a big fixture in this season does for us. It gives us the great conversation with Lestat at the dinner table. Paul asks, first of all, Paul asks, "What is the nature of your relationship with my brother? Yes. <laughs> Monsieur de la, court, uh, de Leoncourt. But also, he follows it up with, do you are you in Christ one? Are you one with Christ? And Lestat answers, First of all, I love how he dismisses his, 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 you know, the mother and and Louis both say that's enough of that, leave it alone. And Lestat says, no, 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 the birds speak for him. I love that. Lestat yeah. just deals with it. Yep, okay, birds are speaking in his head. I get it. I get it. I, I know mental illness. So that's fine. Lestat's story there about the monastery. First of all, it's not something I think that he shares with Louis in the books until much, 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 much later. So this is a Lestat who. Is more revealing of himself right and less guarded than we've seen previously and i think that's lovely but when his eyes missed up as he says my father a vulgar man oh it was too much for me we talked last last uh not last episode a couple episodes ago during the mimnock about abusive Mm father-child relationships this is that, absolutely. And I'm assuming we're going to see more of it eventually as we see Lestat's story. But the look in his eyes when he talks about his father turning him against God and stealing his education or hopes of it anyway. It seems like Lestat in this universe got a little bit more time at the monastery perhaps before that was ended. It seems he read quite a bit more than he did in the books. But that's all right. I love that part too. Because what we have here is a Lestat who has glimpsed freedom and and um, you know openness, and then was denied it, and then forced his way out, and then was captured and made a vampire by Magnus, and then forced his way out to freedom and openness again. You know, and that is a cool journey that I'm excited to go on with him, and we got. glimpse of it in like one scene right
1: because of two
0: great performances between Paul and Lestat.
1: Yeah, like in 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 like two lines sets up that whole that whole emotional journey that that he went on with his father. I just yeah it's um he's Sam reads something else you know like I'm I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed with like either the directing was really good or the understanding of the subtext is really good or a combination of all of that and an awareness of the greater world that exists and, and the next book that's coming up. Like, I'm not sure if it's one or a combination of those things, but whatever it is, I'm very grateful that it's happening because it does seem like these actors are number one, nailing it, but number two, really taking the time to explore these characters. So they're not just like pretty, pretty vampires, you know?
0: Um, holy moly i just got tagged in a twitter uh post the house of blues is hosting the endless night new orleans vampire ball october 29th <gasps> 2022 what endless night.com i'm gonna put i'm gonna put the we'll put the link in the show notes obviously endless com. uh yeah it's an official vampire ball it's Shut happening is happening is happening this year. Even I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I think oh I'm. I think god. I'm in DC on the 29th. But oh my god, that's that's outstanding. Regardless.
1: Oh my god, I always wow. wanted to go to one of those because Anne would. Well, and him, we t- like for, yes, like, she threw them club. several times. They were and, 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 and this was when I was in high school, and it just seemed like oh my god, put it on a pretty dress, like dress up like a vampire, and go hang out with. A bunch of vampire nerds in New Orleans. Please, Jesus. That sounds amazing.
0: Right? Yeah. Okay. So there'll be there'll be details for that. I'm sure we'll hear more about it as as the month goes on. But I I just saw that and I had to share it. I want to talk about Lily for a minute here. Minor character, I think, in the overall story of this thing, but the one I would say is sort of detraction for me in this first episode. She's a beautiful Lovely character, I mean, both physically beautiful, but also lovely in in personality, it seems, too. Tossed aside too swiftly for me. The one big mistake of episode one, I would say. I think you could have played with Louis trying not to turn her, but also wanting to, to free her from the life, which is what Lestat feels like he's done here, right? He's freed Louis from uh, the shackles of being a black man. He's now a vampire. Lestat doesn't understand being a vampire won't change the fact that Louis is a black man and I think that's going to be a big thing for their relationship moving forward very very interesting stuff to be done with there but I think we could have had some of that with Lily too and we just didn't Um, you know some of this there's there's a character in the novel the Frenier woman I believe that helps him escape that it's sort of hinted at is Louis gonna I mean she understands eventually that they're vampires there's sort of a like, is Louis going to take her Lestat sort of, I think offers it at some point, maybe even but anyway, I think Lily could have done, could have filled in some of those roles and she could have played a role over the next few scenes or the next few episodes at least. And you could have given that character a little bit more color. She is discarded. I feel like, and the episode treats her in much the same way that Lestat does actually.
1: That's a really good point. Um, I didn't really think about that. I kind of felt like the character served it's, Purpose because we're moving on, you know, we're moving into a whole new world now. And
0: no, you're yeah. absolutely right. Here's my question Could Lestat have gotten Louis to cross the line without Lily?
1: Oh, well, probably I mean,
0: he would. used yeah. her as bait, yeah. Very clearly. And yet
1: yes. No, he would have eventually. I mean, come on.
0: Yes. No, I agree it, with it you. I, I think eventually, yes. But it is interesting the way that it, the way that it happened. And also, here, there's another moment that is like very much an updated image from the 94 movie. The three of them on the couch together. Yes. There is a very similar scene in the 94 movie oh. when they end up putting the lady in the coffin.
2: Love um,
0: it. But you think it's going to be the 94 movie. And then, psych, they put that chick to sleep. And the two dudes are getting it on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they leave her on the couch.
1: Gotta love it. It's I just I, it's so much wish fulfillment as well. I'm just like, I'm like, yay. Thank God. These sexy vampires are getting it.
2: So
0: I, that was the one knock though, for me, honestly, of the whole episode was the Lily character. I feel like it would have been nice to see her last a little bit longer and get a little bit more, you know, agency, I guess in the, the, that, uh, the also, episode.
1: I just feel like we're, we're about some things are going to move pretty quick for us. In this next episode. And
0: I mean it's not like we have any lack of characters to meet characters. in this universe. So I guess you gotta get <laughs> on to the ones that are that are named in the novels, folks. Let's let's get them moving. Um so I wanna get to a couple of Easter eggs here. And uh interestingly, and we mentioned this on a previous episode, I think, but uh some of the the fans have asked me, are we gonna spoil things that Hint at future novels. We've already mentioned a couple. Look, big things, the fact that characters exist, you know, the fact that uh Lestat goes to heaven and hell. I'm sorry, friends. If you haven't heard that by now, you it's spoiled for you. I'm I'm sorry. But the finer details.
1: Sorry I spoiled the book from nineteen ninety-six. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly, right? But the finer details that you get from reading the novels, the finer details that you'll get from watching this series, we're going to try hard not to uh, to spoil outright or ahead of time. We, as, for instance, we haven't told you what's happening next or, or where Claudia comes from, right? We'll get there in a minute. Um, I do, though, want to talk now about a, f- a couple of Easter eggs. So if you really don't want to know anything about future happenings, now's the time to go on and bounce out. We'll we be wrapping up after this, so don't, don't feel like you're going to miss anything. Um, first Easter egg, to me... Daniel, as he's changing the uh, channels at the very beginning, he changes from his commercial and he changes like two or three channels and he lands for a second on a history channel. And the phrase that the narrator says is, can he make his fantasy a reality? I think it's Daniel's desire to be a vampire. I think we're going to see his relationship with Armand. I I think part of that relationship has already happened. And I think part of Daniel's excitement to to hop at this interview opportunity is because he and armand aren't speaking together anymore for whatever reason and so he's missed his opportunity for armand to turn him he feels like at least
1: oh i love that so i think this is
0: i think this is another chance
1: so something i stopped myself from saying earlier when we were talking about daniel and armand and then you mentioned Lestat uh and louis Lestat having the little the little drink and that's the shit that armand was doing to daniel for forever like jacking with him, messing him up, you know, like, I i just remember that being such a effed up like relationship for a while the way, and it wasn't even really.
0: Doesn't Daniel like, carry, doesn't Daniel carry like a vial of, of his, blood? his blood? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it's so manipulative and so, oh, uh, so strange. So I, I almost want to have a better understanding of like Armand's like, why? <laughs> like, what the f*** was Armand doing to this poor man? You know? Uh.
0: Well, okay. I don't know. I don't know how many episodes he's in or if it's just like one scene, et cetera, et cetera. But I did see in the IMDb that there is a young Daniel in this series. Ooh. So I, I think probably we won't see Armand. I think we will probably see the end of the interview from the 70s where louis attacks daniel
1: do you think we won't get to armand this season
0: i don't believe that they've cast armand i i mean maybe i'm wrong there haven't been any announcements that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying i think with all of the hubbub and press here at the launch i think they would be hard pressed to keep it secret now it's entirely possible that like in the final episode we either get some sort of hint that Dan, young Daniel and Armand had a relationship, or we get a hint of Armand as Claudia and and Louis take off to Europe or whatever. I don't know, but um, it's possible. I mean, the MCU keeps things quiet occasionally, right? Like we didn't know about. Well, there were a handful actually of of you know new people released in post credit sequences in the last year that that oh, yeah. hadn't broke before the movie happened or or the TV series happened. So. So you know, it's possible. I don't. I don't know. My guess is that they haven't cast Armand, and that it's one of those things that they're literally like taking the fandom's temperature as they head towards season two. And I think I think there's still like wiggle room to adjust depending upon the reaction to all of this. Um, So that was my first Easter egg for Daniel. Second, though, the jigsaw puzzle that he's doing. Uh, He's. uh, It's. It's a picture called a painting called "The Fall of the Rebel Angels." It's by Peter Bruegel the Elder it's michael casting out lucifer and his followers from heaven to me that's like pretty heavy references there to like marius's work and armand's general life story i think again they're i I think they're hitting big there i think i think this daniel knows armand already and i think there's stuff there um all right so we also get a gabrielle mention uh, at the dinner table, yes. Uh, Lestat says, "My mother, she gave me every advantage in life as a young man: a mastiff, a rifle, the means to get to Paris, which she does in the novel. She yeah. gives him his his dog, she gives him a rifle, and she also gives him some jewels, I believe, right, mm-hmm. which is like enough money to get to to get away from the house and get to Paris." Oh. Um, I cannot wait to see the portrayal of Gabrielle here. The character of Gabrielle in the books is great. It is. Rollin Jones has already hinted at it. It's a fairly incestuous laden relationship the 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 relationship between Gabrielle and Lestat is it is mother and son but it's it's more than that too that is Lestat's first lover in many ways that's you know Lestat's um mentor and muse in a lot of ways and then she as a character on her own is so interesting so independent so willing to live alone you know she so, literally goes so off into life. the wild and just lives among the animals and yeah. in the, in the trees for years at, at a time Takes you the know in the dirt. what a exactly exactly she, what a fascinating character I can't wait she, to see her
1: yeah fiercely independent does not need the other vampires the same way so many of them seem to need each other you know she's just a mm. very different different character but she's that way in life too she wants to be that way in life I think that's one of the reasons why um as a vampire like those things that you want and those things that you are kind of amplify and i think that that's how you end up with a character is you know is fiercely independent and, and and unlike any of the other vampires as Gabrielle.
0: yes yes levy uh, levy levy the brother-in-law last name i didn't catch it but i saw it in the credit somewhere levy frenier is oh. the brother's name from the books, of course, the Freniers are the plantation owners next to Louis' plantation. Uh, we mostly meet the the, the woman Frenier, who is, as we mentioned earlier, kind of is it a love interest? Perhaps going to be whatever. Anyway, I think it. I think we're going to get Grace, who will now be Grace Frenier, will play a lot of those roles, other than the love interest stuff. But I mean, she she I think she's going to discover that the boys are vampires. I think she'll end up covering for their escape at some point, perhaps. You know, I, I think swan. I think we may get a lot of that. Yeah. from grace
1: that's a really good trade which is
0: a neat little connection to the books they, they don't need the Frenier family overall no, uh, no. and it wouldn't make much sense since we're not in plantation country etc cetera, etc cetera. but a uh, cool way to bring that connection anyway all right here's the big easter egg though nicholas we have a nicholas yes, mention we do so as soon as the music box started playing i thought i guarantee you that's Nikki's song and uh, I didn't expect him to actually say it out loud, but then he's... I mean, they don't say his name just as they don't say Gabrielle's. Right. But Lestat says... The, the, uh, Lily asks, what's that song is playing? And Lestat says, oh, it, do you like it? I wrote it... Uh, I composed it for a beautiful violinist I knew.
2: Uh,
0: no, uh, for a young violinist I knew. A beautiful and sensitive man. Oh. I... We have mentioned before... That I think it would be interesting if they double cast Louis and Nicholas. And the books, it references several times that they're all but identical.
1: Ooh, that would be interesting.
0: I don't think they're going to do it. I think it would confuse.
1: I would, confuse you know,
0: people. a lot of super mainstream audiences. Right, the numbers of the millions of people that you want to watch a thing like this or watch a Game of Thrones. I I don't think the I don't think the creators are going to do that. Also, I don't. Uh, Jacob Anderson may not want to double cast either. He may want to focus on the one role. But I think the relationship with Louis is so clearly tied to his relationship with Nicholas. Oh,
1: 100%. and the fact that we've
0: already got it referenced here, and that already exists, and the showrunners are showing us, yes, hey, we're going to get there.
1: We're not going to ignore it.
0: I'm so excited. It just, it just made my day. And also, there again, uh, uh, a layer to this work of art that we can't get without an adaptation into film or tv uh, something like nicholas's song existing it will it will live now right Absolutely. that'll be on a soundtrack somewhere you and i can load up spotify and listen to nicholas's song anytime we want to that's a beautiful thing it yeah is. and cry and cry and cry exactly exactly it's a beautiful thing. anyway i want all of these things to happen i i want at this point I want Rockstar Lestat now again. <laughs> I'm I'm do. back on board. Okay. I do listen, Sam Look. Reed is a singer. He's a he's a music theater kid. I watched him sing something on a uh Australian morning show. He's not like you know, he doesn't have an album like uh Jacob Anderson does. That's something I didn't know either. Jacob Anderson is an actual musician. He has like albums, multiple albums out there. What? Raleigh Ritchie, I think is what he goes by as a singer. What? Yeah, no, Jacob Anderson's really, as a, a matter of fact, apparently Louis sings at some point this season, at least oh, once a little well, bit. Oh,
2: excellent.
0: Um, so I, I'm, I'm in now. I want it. I don't, I don't, I want it now. And I'm super excited to watch the themes of this show develop. You know, what is, what is Lestat's theme and how does that sort of musical motif appear from time to time? Have we already gotten a hint at what Gabrielle's theme is? For instance, you know, do we? Where what does Marius sound like? What I want to I want to play them like it's Peter and the Wolves, you know?
1: Yeah, I, you and I are such are such lovers of music. I think that both of us are really excited to to hear how the how this um, you know soundtrack and underscoring kind of develops too.
0: Oh, here's another. uh Here's another Easter egg that I didn't mention earlier. Mr. Anderson, that I like so much, the uh, the competition, the guy who runs the other brothel, he's a real historical figure, um, and Jelly Roll Morton is playing at the uh, downstairs at the brothel when they come. He, of course, is a historical figure. Wouldn't have been there in 1910, apparently, at a brothel, probably, but did play in brothels earlier in his career. 1904, 1905, he might have shown up there. So. That's cool. Some cool stuff as far as world building goes. They they threw some real people in there.
1: Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, it makes like, it's like, hey, look, these are some reasons why we changed the time period. Because we can include some of this sort of historical, this historical context. I mean, I don't think any of us can really relate to a New Orleans in you know, that doesn't look like a New Orleans any of us remember or recognize, you know. So seeing. Right. Exactly. Seeing this robust, beautiful city in this time period is just ah. Oh, thank you
0: well let's look forward ever so slightly because we have gotten a season two announcement by the way we've already been renewed for season two how exciting is that but in the background so there's a big image two on the announcement in the background of that image though is a sort of like hazed out phased out map of europe they're going to europe for season two and it occurs to me ashley how many years will have passed between Louis' turning and Louis and Claudia's exit to exit, Europe. Yeah. Are we going to go to Europe during World War II?
1: <gasps> Shut up. That'd be crazy.
0: I mean, we might, right? Like, we might be there at the beginnings of, or at least during the buildup of Nazism. Our oh, wow. vampires could eat a bunch of Nazis and not feel bad about it, <gasps> oh, particularly if they're hanging out in Paris. <laughs> I mean, let's talk. How much fun would it be to watch the the, the Teatro de Vampire? eat a crowd full of nazis every oh my night
1: god i would li- i would love it
0: oh right god. i'm saying there's some fun things to play with there i don't know that that's what they're going to do but you think about the family's got to be together 20 30 years at least i think yeah uh, i think that only makes sense because you have you have to make it a time period where the strain on claudia becomes truly breaking of, yes, of like her development without uh louis and lestat understanding that so
1: development we know at one point in the uh in in the in the uh, behind the scenes episode, we got she said that she was in her 30s. I'm 36 or something like that. I'm, you know, and so we like, I know that it has to be enough that she, enough time to pass that she is beyond ready to be an actual woman and not a 14 year old.
0: Right, right. So, yeah you take it from 1910 you add 30 years that's 1940 a lot of cool shits happening in europe at that time is all i'm saying i mean not cool a lot of interesting shit is happening in europe let's say it like that
1: like there's there's yeah there's a lot of history they can play with i love it didn't even think about that that
0: would I didn't think about it either until the season two announcement, and then I was like, "Boy, moving up to nineteen ten might have been a really, really great idea." Um, they've also announced that one of the locations that we're going to see in season two is Bulgaria. I, we're going to see our Eastern European zombie vampires. <gasps> we're going to see. I'm You're telling totally you, they're going right. to do it. We well, are I'm gonna. We are going to see the Eastern European zombie vampires from the from the novel. So, like. So much cool stuff to come. This is going to be fantastic. What an amazing journey. Here's what we're going to do. We think, based on the response on our Facebook group and, and you and me discussing it, Ashley, I believe AMC Plus is going to drop these episodes one week in advance on the streaming service the entire season. We're going to get season uh, episode two tonight. I believe we're going to get episode three next week and so forth and so on. That's a week ahead of cable. However, if that is true, then Ashley and I are going to continue to put out these episodes basically as fast as we can. We'll watch uh, episode two tonight, tomorrow morning, sometime Sunday. We'll try to record that one and get it out for you late Sunday night. And then the same thing next week and, and moving on. That means if you're watching on cable, you're probably going to stay a week behind us. I'm sorry about that. I think it's going to work out best for everybody. Please give me your feedback though. If there's yeah. a huge group of you that are on cable and pr- prefer us to stay behind, let us know and we'll, we'll see what we need to do. And we'll try to do what's best for the biggest group of folks. Um, regardless though thank you for your feedback thank you for listening thank you for joining the facebook group and hanging out with us and talking to us it's so much fun to have some sounding boards to enjoy this show with right ashley
1: it absolutely is and like i mean we're both really positive people that are super excited but don't be afraid to like air your grievances if there's things you don't like tell us we want to be able to talk about those and especially since we tend to be more inclined to be like yes yes um We definitely don't. Things
0: like changes from the books. Yeah. Changes from the books. the straight washing. You know, we mentioned the Daniel um, stuff earlier. That stuff that didn't occur to me the first time. You said it hadn't really bothered you either. That's something. It's our biases showing, right? Yeah. So we want everybody to let us know when you hear that stuff. We'd love to hear it as well. Thank you so much for watching this. Thank you so much for doing this, AMC. It's so so good. I can't wait for episode two. Ashley, you got anything before we say goodbye?
1: no no just thanks thanks for hanging out thanks for listening with us thanks for watching with us and i'm excited for what's next
0: all right go watch episode two we'll talk to you soon until then we've been your hosts
1: ashley Wright Eiler,
0: and i'm joel sharpton and this is the articulate coven for listening to the articulate coven you can join our community on facebook by following the links in the show notes or searching for articulate coven on facebook you can subscribe to the show in apple podcasts spotify google podcasts or at articulatecoven.com and share us with your Anne rice loving friends